Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. Boys are back in town. Other Thin Lizzy songs. It's Breaking Mayberry. <laughs> oh, jailbreaking Mayberry. That joke should have been right there. Fuck. It's right there. If only we were in some sort of medium where we could take second passes at things. Nope. God damn it. Nope. Welcome to Breaking Mayberry, a show about the Andy Griffith Show and everything that troubles us therein. I am one of your hosts. I am Marty Schneider. I'm the second host, Dan Ludwig. And today we're talking about an episode that involves a jailbreak, in case it wasn't clear from my excellent, excellent Thin Lizzy references. That he absolutely crushed. Yeah, it's just... a great Thin Lizzy reference. <laughs> that band that people love to hear references to. I mean, the boys are back in town. That's a meme. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that song that definitely doesn't just get it stuck in your head and make you kind of angry for the next three days. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. You remember that that song exists. Uh, we're back in the studio uh, today after Dan and I have been um, elite liberal globetrotting. Yeah. That's right. Dan went to Los Angeles and I went to New York. And by New York, I mean Long Island. <laughs> you don't tell people that you went to Long Island. Fun fa- you say New York and then just let them fill in the blanks that you went to Brooklyn. I mean, that's how Billy Joel's been famous. I was going to say, you are not Billy Joel, but you kind of, you could be Billy Joel. The reason I went to Long Island is that my family, my dad is from Long Island, uh, but I grew up on the West Coast, and no one on the West Coast understands, like, uh, geography or really mm-hmm. understands anything about the East Coast, and vice versa. And my dad, when I was a kid, decided to fuck with a coworker when he, the coworker said, heard he was from New York. He was like, oh, what, where, are you, where are you from? And my dad was just like, I think Daredevil had just come out, and my dad was like, yeah, I grew up on the mean streets of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, it was battling gangs. And my dad fucked with this guy for years. For years. It wasn't until he left that job that he like mentioned just offhandedly that it was like Long Island. And this dude went on thinking that my dad was some sort of like badass, like John Travolta, uh, like Mr. Cotter hooligan for just nearly a decade. Because my dad fucked with him once. And, that's magnificent. And that's also how Billy Joel, like, built his career, essentially. Yeah. Billy Joel, who just, like, built an entire career out of bullshitting. That he was, like, a working man of the people. Yeah. He's from Long Island. Also, uh, a lot of 1970s uh, singer-songwriter references on today's episode. Also, God bless Daredevil for turning Hell's Kitchen into a fictitious location. Yeah. For just yeah. fictionalizing a huge... Well, not a huge portion of New York. Um sizable portion yeah, of New Yeah, a chunk York. of it. A neighborhood. Yeah. They're just like, people from Hell's Kitchen constantly have to be like, it's a real place. We are not Gotham City. We actually exist. And from what I understand, it's fairly nice, right? It's pretty gentrified by this point. Yeah. No, Daredevil really sold the idea of like, Hell's Kitchen is like a hard knocks place even now. And it's like Brooklyn Light. Yeah. No, basically, it's just, from what I, I understand, it's just very Irish Brooklyn. All right, so tell me about Los Angeles, because you went and did something weird. Okay, so listen, I know some of you have a problem with, like, 
podcast hosts like doing the chit chat, but we're friends and we haven't seen each other in a bit, so feel free to skip a few minutes. We don't really like talking to each other if it's if there's not a podcast between us. Like I'll just tell Marty about my life and he'll just stare at me and I'll be like, I got there needs to be a microphone or I just get a dead eyed stare. <laughs> That's the only way we can interact. Yeah. We need an audience. Um I went to I, – I, it's my second time going to L.A. I really have never gotten the uh, – why people are so down on it. It's like uh, – I also have never really gotten the appeal of New York. It's just a completely different – I mean I've lived on the East Coast my entire life. Um, so going to a place where people make eye contact and show genuine interest in each other is like this fucking magical Narnia land. Like someone asked about what – uh, like about whether or not my parents are still together. Like someone no- gives a shit about my childhood. This is insane. Um, but yeah, it was it was good actually. So while I was out there, for the most part, it was just like seeing old friends, like drinking at someone's house, going to get tacos because yeah. Um, and uh, I I think I've done I did the only good Cinco de Mayo I've ever had. Um, probably possibly like the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, I went to the Mayan, a really good concert venue for a combination, uh, concert, comedy show, and luchador wrestling match. Fuck yeah. It was incredible. It was the coolest shit I've ever seen. Uh, Open Mike Eagle was there, uh, who is my favorite rapper. I thought he was going to either A, perform, or B, wrestle, because he has his own wrestling podcast. He didn't either. He was just there to, like, hang out. Um... A dude was walking around in, like, a black uh, luchador mask and then just a kick-ass cardigan and no pants. And it's the <laughs> coolest look I've ever seen anyone do. He was just, like, strutting around the uh, – Just Winnie the Pooh in it? Yeah. Uh, I got really, like, con- concerned for him because I was like, if I was in – if I was walking around in a cardigan and a Speedo and, like, people were, like, touching me, I would be – so in my head about getting an erection that it would I wouldn't be able to function at all. I'd be fucking terrified because of the cardigan. Or I think just like, it would. I think if I was like, like wrestling, you wear a cardigan to have sex. Yes. Okay. How do you have sex? Is it cardiganless? You fucking lunatic. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, someone like a drunk lady tried to like uh, remove his mask, and he almost punched her in the face. It was fucking incredible. Uh, two guys dressed like chickens wrestled a chupacabra. Uh, the Butcherelles played. I'd never heard of them before, and uh, they like blew my fucking mind. Unfortunately, I think they're one of those bands that like one hundred, like ninety percent of their best work is done live. Sure. Spot. So. It's kind of cool in that I got to see a band that's only good live. Right. So that was my weekend. So one of the things I did uh, when I was in New York, I went to the Museum of the Moving Image uh, in Queens. And if you ever get a chance to go there, I highly recommend it. It rules. It's one of my favorite museums. And when they say Museum of the Moving Image, they go you know, pretty much any way we've ever made like pictures move. So we're talking about zoetropes. We're talking about like old flip books and like, uh, the silent era. And it kind of takes you through the history of film and television and also into video games because video games are also moving images uh and so there and there are a lot of uh exhibits that you can interact with there's like a cool thing where you can uh take movie clips and then swap out different scores from them and see how they change stuff which is fun that fucking rules yeah and uh, one of the like in the history of microphones one of the giant boom mics they had was used on a face in the crowd 
So a little bit of Andy Griffith stuff there. But there's one wing that just has like a whole wall of old televisions. And it's just mm-hmm. like the history of how televisions themselves were designed. And number one, uh, we had in the 60s and 70s, we had such a cool idea of what the future was going to be like. And they tried to make shit look all futuristic. Like here's a television that's really just like an oval that's strapped to like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Like they really, they all looked like uh, appliances. And remember how last episode we made fun of the quote unquote portable television? Vaguely. And, yeah. <laughs> we made fun of the portable television that was given away in the last episode because it's just like a regular TV that they put a handle on. And it occurred to me that when I was, as I was looking at this wall of TVs, oh, when they say portable, they meant you could carry it from room to room. Because one of the TVs that was on display looked like a fucking dishwasher. I swear to you. It looked like a giant dishwasher complete with GE logo in the Mm -hmm. corner. And it had like, it was on wheels and it like on a cart, it had a handle in the back so that you could push it around from the kitchen to the living room. So that's what they meant by portable. Right. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah, so I had like a realization, but it was ridiculous looking at this dishwasher looking thing. And they were like, this is the television of the future. I like that they like TV was just synonymous with their ideas of the future where I was like, it's a wall, but also a television. It's a watch, but also a television. It's a car, but also a television. A man, but also his torso is a television. Like. (laughs) <laughs> that shit really blew their mind like just dominated the hu- like american consciousness for decades it kind of still does we're just like what else can we put a screen in yeah i mean we keep trying it like they tried to do tv watches and like they did that like ad where they like flash back to the jetsons and uh uh johnny quest and then yeah, yeah, like yeah, showed yeah. the apple watch and like uh uh lcd sound system was blasting over the whole thing and we just had a resounding like Eh. Eh, all right, whatever. The future is boring and lame. Yeah. So let's go back to the past. All right, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Damn, that was smooth. We are doing Season 2, Episode 18, which originally airs February 5th, 1962, written by Harvey Bullock. We are free of Ellison and Stewart for one episode. What? Yeah, we don't have Ellison and Stewart. Yeah, because this episode's kind of good. Yeah. It's, no, it's solid. Yeah, it's a solid episode. So we, I mean, it's a good crime story, which is what you can expect from Harvey Bullock, the man, the only cop with a goddamn dignity to point out what a menace Batman is. He took a break from standing up for justice to talk about, I guess, the worst cop ever. So, like, <laughs> there's a pretty fi- nice line there. No, yeah, it really works. It really works. Uh, and it is, of course, directed by guy who has very strong opinions about tipping and won't hesitate to tell you about them, Bob Sweeney. His wife hides his SkyMall catalogs, Bob Sweeney. Substitute chemistry teacher still talking about his divorce, Bob Sweeney. Thank you, at Ingrid Blythe. Turns out illegally low prices wasn't just hyperbole, Bob Sweeney. Thank you, Jack Royce. Always remember, send your job Bob Sweeney's to us at Break Mayberry. And here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney clumsily lets a prisoner escape, so Andy and Barney have to recapture him. That one-sentence summary is pretty accurate. Yeah. Like, that is what happens. Does this count as Manhunt 3? So, kind of? So, it's not Manhunt... It's not a sequel to Manhunt, because it's not an escalation of the Manhunt premise. Like, Manhunt 2, the Manhunt's back 
took the manhunt and flipped it on its head. This is basically the plot of Manhunt 1, where there's a guy that they're manhunting, Barney fucks up, and the manhunt, Andy has to take charge of the manhunt as a result. It's almost like a remake. It's exactly. It's it's the redux of Manhunt 1. It's the Evil Dead 2 to Manhunt's Evil Dead 1. Further evidence of that, the guy that plays the state police officer in this episode is the, the same, same motherfucker. It's the same guy. Holy it's the same state fuck. cop from, from Manhunt. This is just, it's weird to say that it's Manhunt 2, or maybe, maybe I think we can say that it's Manhunt 3, because I feel like this is not the only Manhunt movie or Manhunt episode we're going to get. It's, I feel like the Manhunt franchise is going to branch off and probably have some like Hobbs and Shaw kind of like, it's Manhunt 2000. It's like... Yes. Uh, it's, yes. It's the Manhunt where they recast John Belushi. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it fucking is. Except it's better. It's like a weird... Yeah, well, most things are better than Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's better than the original. Like, the the remake... It is... It's actually... It's the Evil Dead 2 of, uh, of this. Because it's like... They extended certain parts. They... They did a new action sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a better written manhunt. It's, it's, it's the Richard Donner cut. Yes. It's the Richard Donner cut of manhunt. Yeah, they fixed manhunt. It's still pretty infuriating, but just like, you know, Barney ineptitude. Yeah, yeah. I actually like this episode a lot. It's pretty fucking good. It's pretty good. solid. Um, I'll say that Barney does something really cool in this episode. Like, there's one more. Like, hell yeah, Barney. It has. Is this the show's first actual action sequence? I think it is. Okay, let's let's just jump in and, you know, we've, we've talked it up enough. So our episode opens with uh, Barney sitting in the courtroom or courthouse and he's reading a crime thriller. Yeah, and this is kind of important because the portion that he's reading is a jailbreak. And it is specifically... That a prisoner gets a guard's gun, points it at the back of his head, and says that, and like, does a jailbreak. He's like, let me out. Yeah, there's actual foreshadowing in the first couple of seconds of this episode. Foreshadowing in the Andy Griffith show. Can you fucking believe it, Marty? It's so amazing how good this show can be when when it has good writers. I mean, it just... I wouldn't say good. That's it's foreshadowing. They're not reinventing the fucking wheel here. My my standards are impossibly low, my friend. <laughs> yeah, like it's like you're just someone who's been in like a six year really shitty relationship where you're like they used a coaster. Oh my god! It's like when a kid first learns a word and is just looking for any excuse to use that in a sentence. Yeah, yeah. When we came out of Endgame. I heard a little girl say, were you flabbergasted when <laughs> blank, blank, blank happened? No spoilers. And I was like, that kid just learned a new word today. Yeah, that kid like learned it in English classes, been just like waiting to bust that out all day. Like, I'm going to drop like flabbergasted when they least expect it, blow fucking minds. And she was like waiting through the entirety of Endgame. And she was like, is that flabbergasted? No, I'm not waiting. No, I'm not waiting for that. Gonna wait. This, this I'm going to use flabbergasted on. Dad's going to shit. <laughs> So, all right, so he, Barney's reading a book. He's enjoying his foreshadowing. Uh, and then enter Horton McHortonhorn. <laughs> Horton, I think he doesn't introduce himself as like Officer Horton or Jim Horton. He's like, I am Horton. Like, <laughs> like, I'm one of those characters. I'm like Beowulf. I do not require a first or last name. Like, I am, I'm an elemental uh, force of pure dick cop. I am Horton. <laughs> he is from the State Bureau of Investigation. 
not from, so he's, he's state police. And as we've seen numerous times on this show, the state police of North Carolina, absolute fuck-ups. Just complete dipshits. Just the worst. I mean, the, the, the weird thing is, like, all the state police have been dressed like cops. Like, a little cop hat and a little cop suit. They're dressed like they're the fucking FBI. Well, he's he's the state BI. Yeah. He's the NCBI. Yeah. He also, we should say, Horton, just like for your mental image, uh, picture a belligerent little penguin. Uh, picture Opus from Bloom County. Just like, but but mean. Like, he's just like, he's got a little, like a, like a little beak nose. A little bulbous and, nose, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, this guy Horton comes in. He's from the Bureau of Investigation. He wants to talk to Andy. Uh, Andy's not there. So Barney keeps saying, well, you can, you can talk to me. You yeah. Can, you can let me have the information. Begging for validation. Just please, please. And Horton just goes, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah. At one point in time, Barney even like sits next to his picture on the wall. He's got a picture on the wall from the newspaper. It's like, hero. Uh, it's from the drugstore robbery. It's from the drugstore robbery. The time that they framed a man. Yeah. But again, also some foreshadowing here because, you know, the fact that that is hanging up on the wall, that's going to come into play later. Bullock's foreshadowing his fucking brains out. He yeah. is he is just lighting this motherfucker up with foreshadowing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good information in this scene that comes up later, and I know that this is basic storytelling technique, folks, but we, this is water in the desert, my friends. My God, we have been with those two dipshits for so long as they try to figure out basic character logic that just any storytelling eventually some character is going to use a metaphor and we're just going to melt into puddles uh so this goes on for a bit and then barney gets a phone call from i don't know some guy who says that floyd's dog has been getting off the leash in for this show incredible joke that they do because basically the guy's like floyd's dog is off the leash I need you to come get him and then tell Floyd to keep him on his damn leash. He's been barking all night and keeping up the whole neighborhood. And Barney manages to answer that phone call by only saying, are you sure he's the one we're after? The big brute, huh? We don't need the sheriff for this. I'll take him single handed. And then little alarm when he says like uh, when he says like put him on a leash, he's like, right, it'll be the rope for him, which maybe lynching joke. Oh, definitely a lynching joke. Definitely a lynching joke. Yeah, so it was like, just real quick, like, let me show how good a cop I am. We're gonna lynch the shit out of him. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so so Barney is, like, going to report to what he's... Alarmingly, Horton is like, yep, lynching. Good luck with that. Enjoy your lynching. I don't... I'm uninterested. Not even, like, going to bat an eyebrow as you talk about, like, stringing a man up. I gotta point out something out, by the way. Uh, Floyd's dog is named Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. Do these people know that there are other names? That's like the fourth Sam we've seen. There have been at least three different Sams that are people and one Sam the dog that have come through this fucking Rattle show. off some Sams for me. All right, so that. there was a Sam that got arrested or that uh, uh, Weaver tried to put away. Yeah. Uh, there was the Sam that couldn't pay his rent, which was a different Sam. Different Sam. Yeah, there's this Sam, Sam the dog. There's been other Sams, like multiple I, Sams. I feel like in the – not in the 60s, but maybe in the 30s where they're pretending it is, there were like eight names. <laughs> it was like you're a Sam, you're a Tom, you're a, you're a Steve. I don't think they even had Steves back then. Like it was just like like three – nice three-syllable word like names is what they liked. You had, you had your Toms, your Dicks, and your Harrys. Exactly. All right. So anyway, Horton's, as you pointed out, not at all interested in what Barney's doing. He's like, all right, enjoy hanging a man. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, 
he Barney he, loads his pistol. Yeah. To go pick up a dog. <laughs> Again, Horton should be alarmed because the guy's like, Oh, you got him there? All right, let me go, let me go help you in. Loads a fucking gun and be like, and I'm off. And yeah, and, and, and Horton responds like the same way that you would respond if you saw somebody like carrying a heavy box up yeah. the stairs. Yeah, you need some help there? No, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you, he, he asks for Andy's address. That's all he does. So yeah. then he goes to Andy's house. Uh, and the next scene is Andy and, uh, Horton looking at the rap sheet of Doc Clarence Malloy. He's a guy who robbed the furniture factory. So specifically, he robbed the furniture factory's payroll. Uh, so he didn't just like steal from the safe. He like, they, they specify it a lot. They're like, he took all the factory workers' money. Yeah, which to me, like, makes me think, did this guy work like HR for them? Or yeah, like, was it, he like their, their payroll administrator and he just made off with the stuff? Or I, He did like embed, he did a break in embezzling. Like, he stole their fucking pension. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, it doesn't seem like a thing. You can't like break in and steal the payroll. You can steal from the safe, but he stole from a very specific portion of the company. I, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but for two years, my job was to investigate pension fraud and people who were stealing from this stuff we that's did call how... you martin schneider tax cop for a while that's not how this goes on no <laughs> no not how this works like you can't steal a specific you can't be like oh he stole the marketing funds for the uh, for the furniture factory like you yeah. just steal the money and they decide like where that money comes from but they were just like he stole specifically the workers payroll not the revenue yeah yeah, yeah. i mean to be fair, that does get me, like, angrier, I guess. Mm. Um, it does... It's a way of making the crime more urgent. Right. Because it's not like... Because people's livelihoods are on the line Exactly. Here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it's clumsy. It's not technically accurate. But it is, like, Bullock actually establishes motherfucking stakes. Right. Correct. Yeah. We're it, just being really nitpicky about this. Well, I, again, I'm really happy because, like, again, it's it's like if he was, like... Oh, yeah. Is this the guy that stole the uh, give orphans braces funds? All of it to give those many, many orphans braces? Yep, yep. Ah, we got to catch him. And that's um, clumsy as hell. But also, I'm like, I understand why we wa- I want this guy to get caught. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I we've, we've established now that I am on Andy's side or whoever's. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, Horton shows up. He says he came by because he wanted to ask Andy and Barney politely to stay the fuck out of it. Yeah. He was just like, look, I I know that like it's really tempting for like a small town cop. You come in, you you arrest someone, you get all the glory, but And but, you like it helps your chances for re-election. Right, cuz this guy doesn't know that in like Andy basically runs a dictatorship and no one will ever run against him. Yeah, no. It, no one would dare step to Andy. And Andy even's like <laughs> yeah and he just kind of chuckles so uh, they they're having a pretty good conversation he's like hey man i li- i i i get it i get what you would want to do this please don't we really need to catch this guy we have a pretty tight operation and then he's like and, yeah and, man totally and also a little bit of important information comes here the reason why they don't want andy to get involved is because the state troopers are tailing him but they're waiting they're waiting to get him because they're hoping that Doc will lead them to Doc's partner. And the money. Because the, the partner money. has the money. Right. Yeah. So they, they know that this is a two-person operation, so they don't want to jump on him too fast. So, but And then Andy's completely on board. Uh, and then out of nowhere, Horton's just like, plus, I bet you're pretty uh, 
pretty busy catching all those chicken thieves, huh? And Andy, it pisses Andy off like nothing else that has ever happened on this show. Like, he's like, mother chicken thieves? I will gut Like, not that's not exaggeration because he gets snippy about it like eight more times in the episode. Like, he does a scowl and then he's going to keep bringing up chicken thieves. Okay, so I'm pretty sure we have had chicken thieves on this show. They have dealt with that. They deal with a lot of chicken-related crimes. It's not inaccurate. But I get that it's beyond the point, right? I get that's not the point. 80% of their crimes are committed by farmers. Like, 80% of your population is farmers. Yeah, you're gonna get some chicken-related burglary inside there. Yeah, Horton's... You could say Horton's being unnecessarily a dick. Horton was being a little bit of a dick, but... It's also such a weird thing to get touchy about. You know, he got touchy about it because it is accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We go back to jail and then Barney – I like your note here. Barney restates the entire scene loudly. Andy restates the entire scene calmly. They just do – like get out some exposition in case you weren't listening. Yeah, if you came in late. Yeah. Though that is shitty because we do give – we, Jack we, Allison and Charles Stewart a lot of shit. We, we give Allison and Stewart the same amount of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. they do. They do two episode summaries. They do two Wikipedia pages. Yeah, uh, and then Barney, of course, because you you know where this is going. Barney's and upset, yeah. arms flailing like he's Kermit the Frog. Ah, no, we're not real cops. I don't get to see any action. He wants to specifically do it to hone their instincts and stay sharp, which is like this is the shit you hone your instincts. To do. For. Yeah, you, this is, you know, this is not, pra- you can't be like, I want to step into game seven of the series yeah. so that I can I practice. Can let practice my jump shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, though, because before they even get through any of this, Horton comes in and he's got Doc Malloy in handcuffs. Yeah. Um, uh, the Who is the actor that plays Doc Malloy? Because that guy rules. Oh, he's- we're going to see him in some other stuff, too. He appears in this show a couple of times. His name is Alan Melvin, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a character actor, voice actor, and impressionist. Uh, he had numerous roles on The Andy Griffith Show. He also had a recurring role uh, on Gomer Pyle. Uh, best known for being Alice's boyfriend, Sam the Butcher, on The Brady Bunch. What? Yeah. I can't imagine this guy playing anything other than a scumbag. It's He's not ugly, but he sort of, he just looks so evil. He looks like a cartoon gangster that Dick Tracy would shoot, but not like in the way he's dressed. He is dressed like a cartoon gangster that Dick Tracy would shoot, but just in like his face and the way he talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't totally have a neck. It's not that he's fat. It's just that his head is sort of like, like thumb shaped. It just kind of extends out of his shirt. It's cool. He looks cool. He's a very good actor. I feel like I'm insulting him a bit, but he's just a very no, cool it's, gangster. It's, it's, it's a very good moment. Like, this this bit is, is good. When you, If you got a guest spot on the Andy Griffith show, you really want to be a criminal because everyone else has to be like, boy, gee, howdy. Right, right. If you, if you are a criminal or a cop on the Andy Griffith show, you get to do some actual acting. Yeah, you get to choose. You get to chew an insane amount of scenery because, yeah. like, their villains are just hyper, like, just, they have to be pure, like, personified evil. So every single guy that walks into that jail cell is fucking Scar from the Lion King. <laughs> um, so Horton enters and he says that Doc got wise. He tried to run. So they had to grab him. Yeah. The plan fell apart. Now the states are, state police are out trying to find the partner. 
And Andy's just like, huh, all right, well, you can keep him here. Isn't it good that I was here and not chasing chicken thieves? You son of a bitch. You fucker. You piece of shit. I'll, I'll kill you. <laughs> Your mom's a chicken thief. I wish I'd said that in the first moment. I've been kind of sitting on it. I'm glad I get to come back to it. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it's not it's not, not as great. much of a burn as I thought great. it was. It's not I, good, but you know what? I'm still Andy Griffith, and I own this fucking town. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna mull it over. I'm gonna have another chicken thief related insult to come back at you. Just you wait. I'm gonna. I again. I I felt I had a lot of time to get this ready, and I kind of fe- <laughs> got got, got flat footed. Won't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, in the process of putting Doc in his cell, uh, they let out. Sam, the dog that they had, in fact, caught. Okay, so you have a note here that says the dog escapes. And I want to point out, Andy makes no attempt to stop this dog who is walking slowly out of the cell. They have another cell. Yeah. They have an office. They have a couch. There's another room. There are a number of places you could put this dog. You could also just walk across the street and put him in Floyd's shop. Yeah. The, the, The town is a single block. But instead, he's just like, goodbye, yeah. neighborhood menace yeah. that the townspeople have asked me to catch. <laughs> to be fair, not his job. Yeah. Yep. Nope. He is not the – well, he is kind – he should be the dog catcher. Right. Because he doesn't do anything all fucking day. So he should be doing like other – like fixing stop signs and catching dogs. That would be a connection to also to uh, Face in the Crowd where they do the whole sheriff dog catcher bit. Sheriff should be dog catchers. You shouldn't have a unique like position for that. So All right, ha- so Dog Catchers of America, if you want to send your hate mail to Dan, that is at BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. Come at me. I don't think you exist anymore. I'm pretty sure All Dogs Go to Heaven wiped your profession out along with Homeward Bound 2. I don't think you fucking exist anymore, and if you do, step to me. Animal control, Dan. Animal control definitely exists. Have you ever called Animal Control in America? They mail you a box to put the raccoon in. So anyway, they drop Doc off and then the state police leave. Yeah. All right. So outside. Uh, Barney gets in an altercation with this recently escaped dog. Yes. And by escaped, I mean they basically just let him go. Yeah. There was not there was not an escape attempt. Ooh, more foreshadowing. Oh, that's true. Yeah, this no. episode no, there's, is there's, chocked there's, to the fucking gills with foreshadowing. There's definitely like a parallel thing going on with the dog and the criminal here. Yeah, here. 100%. God. Th- again, this writing is not great, but compared to uh Ellison this guy's Hemingway yeah, yeah this guy the layer no this guy is James Joyce just layers upon layers you can analyze it for days compared to these two dipshits uh so Barney has a confrontation with the dog for a long time like just him wrestling a wrestling dog. this dog goes on for way too long there are this is the first of two Barney Fife scenes that go on for Honestly, given how much shit happens in this episode, it's crazy how much they just have Don Knotts vamp. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're, I'm like, you have a police chase, a jailbreak, an almost a shootout, and you need to have Don Knotts wrestle a dog for like three minutes. So here's what comes up next. So Barney and Andy talk about the dog, uh, and that's when Andy says uh, that they brought in Doc. So he gives us some exposition, and Barney, of course, because Barney is. Horny for crime. Horny for crime. TM. Uh, Barney's horny for crime, and he's, like, super starstruck. Like, oh, they got him. Oh, they got him. Well, I can go talk. Like, you get the feeling that if Barney wasn't a cop, he would very easily fall into a gang. Like, One, super quickly. I mean, this kind of really reinforces it because Barney, 
like very clearly kind of wants no not kind of barney clearly wants to be a criminal who instead became a cop because he's too much of a coward to be a criminal or at least like he thinks that criminals are really cool and he wants the criminals to think that he's cool even though his job is to like he doesn't have very much of a connection to the law or order or people but he does have a connection to a crime so i think like uh, and to authority really like yeah but and like he likes the he likes to be like a cool like you no, and not even authority power he's like he's like one of those middle-aged dads that romanticizes the mafia yeah it's kind of like an upper class like nicer sort of crime than gangs yeah and by nicer i mean whiter yeah no he's he's uh your stepdad who watches a lot of the sopranos yeah yeah um, but I think he just likes crime as a concept because it's all about like power and shootouts and gunslinging. Proper action and shit. Except you say that like three times. Uh, a s- Check that off on your breaking Mayberry bingo card. We really got to make one of those. So yeah, no, he gets like immediately violently horny for this celebrity, a guy who committed one crime very yeah. recently. Yeah, it makes no sense. We've seen actual, like, celebrity criminals come into this jail. That- if they get, ever get a murderer in here, he's gonna be, like, a guy who just, like, shot his wife. Barney's gonna be like, oh my god, that's Steve Bilson. He shot his wife in the face. Can you believe he's in our jail cell? Oh my god! <laughs> Get my Andy, get my picture with him. Look at the raw sexual appeal of that Robert Durst. <laughs> uh yeah, no, he would be so into Robert Durst. He would be uh he would watch all of the Ted Bundy movies. Oh, every, every one of them. Yeah, he uh, would, he would like like do slow-mo on that Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie a lot. Oh god. Barney wants to step in and interrogate. Like uh, he, Andy first Andy says like hey I gotta go on patrol because there's a second criminal out there I gotta check out this town just make sure they're not in danger you guard the jail cell why why does he make that decision in a million years the guy who is extremely starstruck and has been been tricked by a criminal in the jail cell at least once that I can remember right yeah this has happened before yeah. we've seen all of this before criminals trick Barney into jailbreaks a fair amount I, you know, I, hmm, this is a, this is like the worst choose your own adventure here, right? Cause you have two options. Either A, you send Barney out on patrol to look for the criminal that's at large, and mm-hmm. we've seen how that works out. Or B, you leave Barney behind, uh, to watch the criminal that you've already got, and we've also seen how that works out. So Manhunt 1, he, uh, does institute an, an awkwardly placed roadblock where he gropes the mayor and also his mom. Right. Um, and then is soundly beaten by the criminal and then loses his gun. Option A. Gentleman Crook, he hangs out in the jail cell, tries to guard, um, is seduced with a game of go, of go fish. Something like that. Uh, and uh, has his gun stolen again. Option B. Uh, put in the jail cell. Gar- uh, and then the, uh, the gentleman Crook almost shoots Andy Griffith's son in the face. So it is really like. Yeah, yeah. So there's the only. There's no good option. The only winning move is not to play. Is to fire Barney a long time ago. Right. And get a semi competent deputy that that like that one you had and fired because Barney didn't like him. (laughs) So they leave Barney in charge. uh, And Barney has already said that he wants to interrogate him. And 
Uh, and he says, no, you're not going to interrogate him. And then Barney comes up with the idea of, like, planting a stool pigeon in his cell. Barney wants to go undercover as a criminal and pretend to be a criminal and sit in the cell and see if he can get information out of uh, Doc, criminal to criminal. Uh, and Andy says, no, and says, "Stay," says, you know, keep your distance. And then he gives a little bit of information, which is also keep that dog out because it's shedding and there's hair everywhere. Yeah. So the stool pigeon thing... Not in itself a bad idea, actually. No, not not bad. No, and, and, you, you, and it's also, uh, even for comedy stuff, that's also the plot of a recent Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode. Yeah, you can't help but compare this show to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, you, you have to. Yeah, they do that a lot where they just have a cop like sit in the jail cell and wait for him to uh, to talk. Honestly, a bit, the only issue is it's Barney Fife, uh, which we can see predictably. And also there's no one else in the jail to actually be the cop. Better move that would have worked? Otis. Otis. 100%. Make Otis be your criminal informant. Actual criminal. Put him in. Otis is delightful. So, uh, so, like, Doc will totally chat him up. Uh, or Otis will just be drunk and belligerent that he'll just, he just won't let Doc sleep. Right, yeah, and and, and just berate it out of him. Yeah. You could have gone with Otis, you could have gone with Ray Hollister, you could have gotten anyone, really. Literally, they have a lot of very chill criminals. Yeah. Who just, like, We'll do, we'll probably get this uh, task accomplished for a nice plate of fried chicken and dumplings. But that's not what we get. What we get is Barney deciding to go rogue on his own. Yeah. And he comes up with a scheme. This scene lasts four minutes of Barney thinking, thinking through stuff. He takes off his gum belt. He hangs it on the fucking hat rack. Why on the hat rack? He, not like somewhere low. He puts it very high up so the gun is at eye level yeah. with any standing adult. And then later on, he's going to draw the criminal's attention to that gun. He's yeah. going to point out the gun to that criminal. Insane. Yeah. Um. So uh, he then goes into the other room and puts on, uh, I think what they would have... Uh, gleefully referred to in the show as a set of threads. Right, uh, a set like, of threads. Set, set of threads! And it's such a big suit, and he's such a small man. He kind of winds up just looking like uh, David Byrne. Yes, yeah. I was thinking like uh, an eight-year-old who's trying on his dad's suit. Same effect. Yeah, Barney puts himself in the jail cell, sits down in the chair, does a very weird thing with his head and neck. Don Knotts makes an interesting choice here to look like he's uh, paralyzed? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. He looks like the guy from My Left Foot. I mean, it could just be that he's sinking into that suit. Yeah, but he's like, his head is like kind of to the side, and also he's like pulling it back. Oh, yeah, and like yeah. He, and then he's not moving anything other than his mouth for some reason. It's an extremely weird acting choice that Don Knotts is making in this moment. Yeah, yeah, and he thinks that makes it look tough. I don't know. Anyway, Doc wakes up. We should point out that the reason that Doc was asleep for all of this. That's why yeah. he didn't see the cop come in. Uh, Doc wakes up and then Barney uh, brags as the criminal. He's just like, I'm going to bust out of here. You want to no. join me? So first things first. First things first. Barney Fife says his criminal name, which is Puddin' Tame. That's not his criminal name, dude. Yeah, it is. I mean. It, I have it, that down in my notes. No, no. I mean, it is. But like. What's your name? Puddin' Tang. Ask me again and I'll tell you the same was like a children's rhyme. But my grandmother used to say that. Fuck! I didn't, I've never heard that rhyme before in my life. No, it, it, it was like a... It was like a... And I actually like to... 
do some research for this episode, I tried to look up the origins of that rhyme, and no one seems to agree on what it was. Uh, but just hearing Barney say it gave me a flashback to my grandmother. I've like, never it. heard of that rhyme. I thought he just came up with a predictably terrible criminal name. No, no. Because th- that is a name that he would bust out. Puddin' as, Tame. Like, they call me Puddin'. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, he says that his name is Puddin' Tame, tries to, like, poke at something about the partner. And then he starts, like, he says that he's going to break out of here, out of this jail cell. And then, he's gonna see, then he points to the gun. I'm going to get that gat. And so that's how he draws the attention of Doc to the gun. But he also draws the attention of Doc to the picture of Barney in the newspaper that's framed and hanging up on the wall that we discussed earlier. So before this massive blunder, let's break down what the fuck Barney's plan was here. Because it would make sense if he was like, I'm just going to sit in the cell, hang out, pretend to be a criminal, shoot the shit with this guy. Maybe he'll eventually reveal like some useful information. Right. If that was the... That would be any other cop's plan. Yes. He doesn't wait for the dude to say, like, a sentence before he's like, let's do a jailbreak. Let's get you the fuck out of this cell. It, it, completely unnecessarily. He does not wait for a second. Why incorporate a jailbreak into it? He does have an overarching plan, but it is wildly unnecessary yeah and and he actually goes all the way through with it he like hides the key in his sleeve and then he like reaches around and pretends like he's picking the lock while he's actually just unlocking it easily with the key yeah he could have stalled he could have just been like i can't pick this this isn't this is harder than i thought yeah like it would have been an easy way for him to stall and then uh, he doc was like like, all right, so uh, let's sit down and discuss the plans for this jailbreak. And he's like, we're doing it now. Let's open this jail cell. I mean, it's also because Barney's waiting for, like, trying to do this before Andy gets back, right? Yeah. He does just immediately open the jail cell. He's in there for maybe three minutes before Jock, Doc is out of this fucking cell, which was not the plan that he, like, even, like, like espoused to Andy. Right. And – the idea he has is I'm going to do a jailbreak and then I'm going to say, like, Doc's going to join my gang. And what we need for my gang is uh, is money. So I'm going to say, like, hey, Doc, lead me to your money and your partner so that we can start a gang together. And then I'll, I don't know, so like beat you up and also your partner and take the money. I don't totally – He's under a lot of illusions. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I would submit that the reason he does this is because of that fucking book he was reading in the beginning. And he was just like, it sounds fun to do a jailbreak. I want to do a jailbreak. That, that's true. I'll, I'll go with that. 100%. That he was like, he was like, how can I get a jailbreak out of this? So let's move forward. He actually does break the criminal out. And the criminal then goes to get the gun, which Barney like, walks in the completely opposite direction of. So the guy... Even though he knows that that guy knows about the gun. Yeah, he pointed the gun out to him. Yeah. So uh, Doc goes and gets the gun. He holds Barney up, ties Barney up, puts him back in the cell. Andy comes in and there's Barney in the cell tied up and Andy gets angry. It's a very well written scene where uh, Bullock just basically like does a nice little PowerPoint presentation of why Barney Fife is the worst character ever written. And then, all right, so the next scene, uh, they've released Barney. Horton is on the phone. He's creating a perimeter. He's talking to all of the other cops. He's. Got, it sounds like he's got, like, 80 dudes. Right. Like, this is a massive operation. Uh, so this is really where the manhunt commences. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're at the, the manhunting. 
Yeah. By the way, you know what we haven't done at all? Let's just go ahead and say it. Manhunt! Manhunt! Got that out of the way. Good. Yeah, no, we had to get it out of our system. One of us was going to have a blood vessel ver- blood vessel burst. Horton is on the phone creating a perimeter. He yells at them. And he's like, you guys suck. I gave you the smallest task to keep a dude in the jail cell. You broke him out. You got your ass kicked. Now he has a fucking gun. So he is infinitely more dangerous. He's on the loose. I'm going to lose all that payroll money for those sweet, sweet orphans. I mean, factory workers. Uh, and then something miraculous happens. Barney says, I screwed up. He's like, I'm really bad at my job. Yeah, Barney has a moment of self-awareness. And he and he's like, I shouldn't have done that. And I made everything really bad for no reason. Um, I should stop. I yeah. should stop doing stuff. Yeah, we have a moment there, but because Andy's still mad about the chicken farm. It's 100% mind. because of the chicken uh, chicken thieves thing. <laughs> yeah, Andy is still mad, so Andy's like, nope, we're doing this. We're getting back out there. And Barney's like, I'm having a, I'm having a real existential crisis where I'm really evaluating if I should make myself better. And he's like, there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get the fuck out there. But somewhere in all this, Barney concludes that the best thing for him to do right now would be take his suit to the cleaners because it's covered in dog hair. Because remember that dog? He was shedding everybody. Remember that shedding dog, everybody? Shedding dog? Shedding dog? That Chekhov's dog? So they go to the cleaner and there's this cleaner. I love this cleaner. This cleaner is his such name a is, great character. His name is Gus, but they pronounce it Goss. Goss. Every, yeah. Uh, he is always smoking a cigarette down to the fucking ash. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's very clear like a rolly too, like a loose cigarette. It's kind it. of incredible his ability to keep the cigarette in his mouth because he is not, it, he never like takes it out of his mouth. He's not like jabbing with it. It is always hanging from a corner of his mouth as he is having like, very enunciated sentences. He's oh. like, hello, Andy Griffith. Toy boat. Toy boat. Oh, you know what? I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. My, the captioning that I, on the episode I was watching, his name is Goss. His name is Fred is... Goss. Oh, Goss is last, his last name. name is Goss. His last name is Goss. So they take him to the, they go to the cleaners and uh, the cleaner is like being super nosy, just like, hey, Barney, what do you need for this suit? You going to a wedding? You go into a funeral? You go into new- any other thing? Yeah, it was like like this is a very dark, nice suit. You must have you must be doing to, going to something. Like again, they're vamping very unnecessarily. I liked this vamp though. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Like the guy playing Goss is pretty funny. Eventually it gets out like Andy. And, Andy enters in. wanting to trap Malloy. Yeah. Uh and the cleaner, like while he well, and Cleaner's like, hey, how are you doing, Andy? And Andy's like, fuck off. Uh, and yeah, then yeah. as... Shut like, up, Goss. Shut up, Goss, you piece of shit. You smoking piece of shit. The, the the big joke about him is that he smokes so much that he's getting ash all over his vest. Yeah, this yeah. is still me, Andy Griffith, doing a quote. You piece of shit. Uh, get the fuck out of here. And Goss is like, okay, weird that this suit is covered in dog hair. A lady brought a, do- a similar suit in with dog hair also on it. That's just me, Goss, like, walking away. Yeah, here I am. I'm Goss. I'm here to provide all the information to everybody. If you bring a suit into Goss, he'll tell you about this suit and every other suit that's ever shown up. Come to Goss for the clean and stay for the gossip. <gasps> I wish you listeners at home could see the pure <laughs> moment of childlike joy that dawned over Martin's face in this moment. He just like, 
like he's six and someone just gave him a chocolate Easter the bunny. Gossip. Oh, um, I love this character. He's the I don't know if that's intentional, but he is the best character. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, he he points out that a lady came in with a similar suit and Andy does one of those okay, not now he's wait. Like, he's what? like, wait, hold on. Goss, you piece of shit. Get back in here. You you little fuck face. Get back in here. <laughs> hey Goss. Goss, you you Goss, fuck you, get here. <laughs> Repeat what you just told me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you piece of crap. I hate you. Tell me what you just said. Uh, so then they, they match the suit. They say that a lady came in and he was wearing a suit and it was similar to the suit that, uh, that bar, he was, yeah, it was, it's the same suit that Doc was wearing. Right. It now has dog hair on it. And then Goss is like, oh yeah, that's her car. He just like point. So she's parked out front, uh, which is super weird because they could just grab her. It would be better if Goss, Goss was just like, this is the make and model of her car. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so they look at they. By the way, uh, just like lady druggist, they're like a woman partner, oh. a lady criminal. Who ever heard of such a thing what in the that? year 1962? So they're like a lady part. And then they look at the car and they realize that there's a trailer hitch on the back bumper. And that leads them to make what I would assume is a wild like leap of logic. Wild assumption. They're like, oh, there's a trailer hitch on that. I bet they're at the trailer park. They both do it at the same time. Like, the trailer camp. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, again, yeah, wildly for logic. Because you can just have a trailer thing on your car. It doesn't cost extra money to have that on your car. Yeah, like, you can just always have that there. Yeah, yeah. in case you ever need, want to go camping. Right. Or just haul stuff. Barney's like, but Horton said to stay out of it. Again, insane that he's like, he is having this moment of clarity uh, this is like a life-changing incident for him. He's going to turn it all around. He's going to go back to school. He's going to become a good cop. He's going to, like, stop being mean to Thelma Lou. He's going to become a good person. And Andy's like, shut the fuck up. We don't have time for that. We don't, yeah. I need, I need crazy Barney right now. <laughs> Bring back the dangerous, unhinged lunatic who doesn't believe in authority. I need that man. Not who but doesn't I'll... believe in authority. Who doesn't believe in following the rule of law. Yeah, we need we need that man who loves authority but also doesn't believe in it. Yeah, though that man who is willing to definitely commit crimes to maybe catch criminals. Because why? Because someone slighted Andy's integrity he's like, once. He's like, who's to say we're not just at the trailer camp? Big look at the camera, catching chicken thieves. I'm still mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> so they, cut me deep. They go to the trailer park in one of those, yeah, another one of those like. Shots where it's very clearly broad daylight, but they just put a filter over the camera to try to tell us that it's nighttime. Uh, that's the yeah. rest of this scene. It's the uh, best. Uh, and they begin snooping. Barney, like, sees a trailer. It says, just married. So he just peeks his head right in the window. Yeah. So um, That's insane. Like, they're like, he's like, all right, let's go search for these dangerous criminals. Barney is like, starts to look around, sees a trailer that says, just married. The first time I watched it, I thought that Barney, like, was just looking around, like, through trailers and saw like a just married trailer he looks at just married he's like people are fucking in there i'm going to look all right i'm gonna defend barney's logic on this one because if i was looking for a female and male pair that was on the run a couple that just got married is an excellent cover for them great argument totally just gonna have two points against one they already know the car that's attached to the trailer fair two no. <laughs> no. That is not why he looked in there. You know that's not why he looked in there. He's horny. 
what has he ever done to deserve the benefit of the doubt, this character? <laughs> he consistently has done the... We, so basically just in the big, giant, whiteboard checklist we have of reasons this character is the worst and completely indefensible, we've just added pervert, to, like terrible sex pest to it. He looks, they see him freak, look, he freaks out. This is going to be brought up again later. Both Andy and Barney are looking and finally they find the car. Andy wants to call the state police, but then he sees that they've kidnapped Horton. Yeah. So Barney, like, he sends Barney to look in the trailer and Barney is like, like, panics wildly. And Andy's like, I'm going to call back him. He's like, Horton is tied up in there. They got him at gunpoint. If we try anything, they're going to fucking kill Horton because they also have my gun Again, having a little bit of an existential crisis here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff's going on in Barney Five's head right now. Yeah, I'm horny. I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> All right, so Andy still goes to call for backup. Uh, Barney is, like, watching. And, God, I like this scene so much. It's the best um, scene. So Barney hides in front of the car. So to picture what's happening right now, in the foreground, Barney's at in front of the car, in front of the grill. And he's hiding in front of it. And... Uh, the trailer is behind them. So off, so out come the lady and Doc out the side of the trailer. And yeah. they start talking about how they're going to make their escape. Yeah. Um, so the plan is that basically they're saying like they're not looking for a trailer. And even if they do like check the trailer, we have a cop. So he's basically our ticket anywhere. Yeah. By the way, let's go ahead and these two are in way over their fucking heads right now. Yeah. Like, they just wanted to steal some money from a business, and now they're adding kidnapping and possibly murdering a cop? Yeah. Like, kidnapping a, a fucking, like, not federal, but state officer. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're, this is getting way out of hand. I mean, he's done a jailbreak. Yeah. How much could they have possibly gotten in this fucking furniture store payroll? Yeah, I have no idea. A like, couple hundred? Like, equivalent of a like, couple grand some to natural us? born killer shit with these two like these two are way over their head I, it would I, be great if they kept getting away with it and by the end they're like like they've killed 80 people yeah yeah it just keeps getting away from them so so the woman goes to start the car and bar, remember barney's in front of the car so he like spreads his arms out G- good use of don Knotts's lankiness and physicality here He's like looking right at the at the camera as he's trying to like brace this car, and he's making it look like he's gonna try to stop this car with his body. Bug eyed, freaking the fuck out. Like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's panicking. Yeah, oh, it's ah, it's good, a great scene. Good credit to Don Knotts on this. I love what. And then he gets a break because she goes back in for cigarettes. Yeah, she goes back in the trailer, and then Barney. I love this moment so much. Has just. All of this comes to a breaking point for him, and he just snaps, and he steals the fucking car. Mm. He just drives out. Yeah, just gets it, and then just drives like a lunatic all over town. And they do, like, great scenes of him, like, swerving around Mayberry and, like, cutting people off, and the trailer's, like, smashing around. Uh, and, and and Andy's just, like, following behind in the cruiser, because Andy, like, sees it drives off, sees him drives off and goes, oh, shit, what? Yeah. Uh, Barney parks on Main Street. Andy runs up with his with his gun drawn. Now, realistically, and even based based off of the what they've already established as the situation, Horton's fucking dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Horton was at gunpoint before the car started moving and swerving wildly. Now it's parked. 
any like vaguely realistic situation, Doc's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm shooting this fucking guy in the face. I, I, I guess like the best way we can think that this came out is that uh they just couldn't get the gun because shit was like yeah. Like, in, inside, there's just like this cartoonish thing where everyone's trying to fumble for the gun as it like shakes and like you, rambles. You, you know when you're pointing a gun at someone and then you're suddenly moved and you know how you just don't accidentally fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they open the trailer and uh, instead, uh, Doc is just like sitting on the ground and it's like that. Uh, the thing where you like knock out a video game character where he just has like the stars over his head. I mean, like, he might have a concussion. It's very likely that those people were injured as that happened. Well, probably both super concussed. Yeah. 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 But he's just like, he's like Batman stunned. So they pull out. They, they arrest Malloy. They pull out Malloy and his, uh, his paramour, his, his girlfriend who doesn't get a name because yeah. no woman is in this, in this like, entire season has gotten named. And they arrest him and save Horton. And then Andy Griffith is like, caught myself a pretty good chicken thief. I told you I would nail this. I fucking told you. <laughs> and that's it. They they rescue him. And uh, finally, and the stinger is Opie making his only appearance in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, like, they now they're friends with Horton. And Horton sent him, like, a junior detective kit mm-hmm. or something. So, uh Opie is playing with like the mask, the glasses, and the fake mustache, and whatever. Horton gave him a his son a junior detective kit. He's like, "Thank you for saving me. Here's a toy for your child." And Horton should be like, "I'm never coming back to this fucking town because you people released my criminal, almost got me murdered." Yeah, yeah. And then we're dicks when you were saving me. Yeah, let's be clear here. You aren't heroes for solving the problem that you caused. Yeah, you caught still your fault. You caught the guy that you let go. Um, you put out the fire that you started. So they gave Opie this thing, and it's got a little mask and mustache and, you know, little Groucho fake mustache, whatever. Yeah. And Barney says, I'm like, okay, well, Opie, you know this is just pretend, right? Like, in the real world, no one would actually fall for this. And then a young couple enters. Mm-hmm. And this young couple says, Sheriff, we were staying down at the trailer uh, camp. And there was a peeping Tom last night, and we want to report it. Yeah. And uh, then the guy's like, I hope I could totally pick him out of a lineup if I saw him, and I hope I fucking see him because I'm going to kick the shit out of this guy. And then Barney turns around, and he's and he's like chuckling and says, Barney, you want to take these folks' information? And Barney turns around, and he's wearing the Groucho mask from yeah. the setup a few minutes ago. Yeah. Good joke, honestly. Yeah. And, and then I, he I just chuckled. like scampers out the door. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Barney is a sex pest. Tr- ruined these people's wedding night uh <laughs> to, like like they're they're afraid of this like creepy pervert this uh pencil necked pervert that's like stalking the the campgrounds uh that seems like a good opportunity to go into some ratings yeah oh uh, well actually there is so one thing i want to bring up i don't know if this is the most a crime has ever happened on this show but this is a very definitive crime that happens because barney did entrapment yeah. Yep. He uh he instigated and facilitated a jailbreak and enlisted a criminal to commit that jailbreak. So he entrapped Doc. He, w- he might not have been to arrest him for said jailbreak, but an undercover cop can't make a criminal do a crime. Uh, major major crime on this show. And there's there's been a lot of very bad crimes here, but they've always been kind of like we've tried to na- like nail them down on. It. It's always been like. This would be an argument in court. Uh, but in, 
in any court, they'd be like, you used the key on the door. Did he want to break out when you broke him out? No. He was sleeping. You woke him up, broke him out of jail. You're arrested. Uh, yeah. That's how courts work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is <laughs> you, you the go first. There, you th- go there to determine whether or not you're arrested. Yeah. Like, be, like the cops grab you and they're like, you might be arrested. Let's go figure this out. <laughs> Officers, take this guy to the mega judge to find out if he's going to jail. I just determine the arrests. Uh, ratings. So I think this is uh, probably it's a result of like we've been in a desert for so long of shitty writing and oh my god, an oasis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a 10 for me. Really, I'm, I'm going to temper my expectations and say it's, it's still an 8. It's not, yeah. it's not really as entertaining as the other two manhunts. You know what? Nine. Nine. Yeah. Again, it's just rose-colored glasses. Sure, sure, It's sure, been sure. so bad for so long. Sure. But, like, if you were looking for some Andy Griffith episodes to watch, like, you could certainly do a lot worse. Uh, this is a great Andy Griffith e- show. Uh, this is a great Andy Griffith episode to watch with your dad or uncle or grandpa. Yeah. yeah solid, solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just enough, uh, cop stuff to keep him entertained, but not too much to rile him up so we get some, you get some weird opinions out of him. So how many... Fifometers, do you think that entrapment pulls? I mean, I think uh, we gotta say a seven or an see, eight. Yeah, I can't give it more than a six because yes, yes, that is a shitty illegal thing, but also it's no worse than most cop fictions, right? Like most stories that revolve around cops do equally bad things. I think. All right, we're a little desensitized. Sure. I think um, this is. More illegal than the episode where they frame a man for armed robbery. Let's go a criminal. In the process, he does entrapment on that criminal. And he endangers those poor, poor orphans who need braces. I mean, factory workers who need their paychecks for no fucking reason. I think it's I think it's a, an eight or, or a nine. Yeah, so I, he I, does I, a lot. So it's I not can't like, get on board with this one. There's not a lot like outrageous about it, but he kicks some puppies. Eh, I can't get on board. All on right, that I'm going to say an eight. Okay, I, I I can't go more than a six. All right, just on principle, I have to say an eight. Sure. If the if the Barney Fife scale is going to mean anything, it has to be an eight. Which it clearly does not. We keep forgetting what the other scores are. Uh, and that's it for this episode. Uh, solid one all around. Everyone pat yourself on the back. Good job, listeners. You listened to this entire thing. Yeah. Uh, you didn't throw your phone away at any point. <laughs> so that's it for us. Thank you all again for listening. Always remember you can get at us on the internet. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Break Mayberry. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Instagram, we are Breaking Mayberry. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. Dan? I'm at the Luds. Yeah. If you want to support the show, with your money, you can do so on patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. And if you want to support the show without your money, you can always share with your friends, post it on your Facebook, uh, tell other, other people about us. And if you really want to help us out, give us a rating and review on the podcatcher of your choice, preferably Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. If you give us a five-star review and just want to, like, insult us personally, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We'll it, read it. We will. You can you can get Marty to say something very mean about himself. Or about Dan. Or about me. Although, why would you do that? Mm. I'm a delightful person. Uh, other than that, the music you heard before was Max Ludwig, who is on Twitter at Sleep Talking. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Ask Again. Uh, Dan, we got any other business? Coming up, we're, we'll probably be... Uh, 
We might be skipping ahead next week to do The Choir, which is yeah, yeah. one of the craziest episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's initially very innocuous, but it's like burrowed into my brain and it's kind of all I can think about. I haven't watched this episode yet, so we have that to look forward to. Yeah, so we might be skipping ahead and doing that one next week. Other than that, we will see y'all down at the fishing hole. Y'all come back now.